Welcome to Future of Tech, hosted by Avishai Sharlin, Division President of Amdocs Technology. In this podcast, Avishai sits down with some of the most innovative minds in technology to learn how they are disrupting the present and what kind of impact they hope to have in the future. From the machine learning programs that are solving some of the world's biggest problems to what AI can do to help fight biological bottlenecks in human thinking, no topic is off limits. So sit back, relax, and maybe take some notes because what you hear on this show might just be a glimpse into the future. It's easy to typecast what a successful entrepreneur should be like. Someone growing up awash in technology, attending a prestigious university to study in that area, and then building a unicorn. But that's not how it always works. In fact, it may not be how it often works. There's a different sort of entrepreneurial narrative. In this story, it's about a person who's had a winding path to business success. But along that journey, this character saw a problem, came up with a solution, and then had the ideal balance of perseverance and business sense to create a successful company over a period of time. Tom Levain, the CEO and founder of Verbit, started his career in the Special Forces, which he credits for teaching him resiliency. He then became an attorney and came to the conclusion that the transcription industry needed disruption. At the time, the technologies necessary to disrupt the industry, AI and the cloud, were not quite ready. He continued on his journey, earning an MBA and even founding a security company. Then, when the business stars aligned, alongside the right technology, he created Verbit to focus on the transcription issue he was passionate about. His spirit of resilience helped him to develop Verbit from a bootstrap company to one with major investment and lots of room to grow. On this episode of Future of Tech, Tom shares his unique entrepreneurial story and the values that have led to his success. Enjoy this episode. Future of Tech is brought to you by Amdocs Tech. Amdocs Tech is Amdocs' R&D and technology center paving the way to a better connected future by creating open, innovative, best-in-class products and continuously evolving the way we work, learn, and live. To learn more about Amdocs, visit the Amdocs technology page on LinkedIn. So, welcome to a new episode of Future of Tech. Today, I'm pleased to have with me uh, Tom Livne, CEO and founder of uh, Verbit. So, welcome, Tom. Yeah, welcome. Great to be here. Great having you here. Um, usually we start with maybe some background about yourself, you know, telling our audiences, you know, how, how did it all start? Yeah, you know, in Israel, you usually start from the army service even, right? So I've been in the special forces of the paratroopers still during the reserve. And I think as an entrepreneur, one of the most important thing is resilience. So I really think that the army service helped me with that. Then. Uh, you know, I study law and business, and I'm a lawyer. No one is perfect, so mm-hmm. I hope uh, the audience won't hold it against me. But, uh, you know, for me, when I was working as a lawyer, I realized two things. One, that I don't want to be the legal advisor uh, for entrepreneur. I want to be the entrepreneur myself. And the second thing I faced with the problem of transcription, 
So I saw how much time and how much money we're spending on the transcript of the legal depositions. And they were always late and not accurate. And then, uh, you know, I found myself sitting down and doing the editing jobs uh, for those inaccurate transcripts. And then I was really frustrated customer. And then I said, have to be a better way. And since I haven't found a better way, I said, maybe I should uh, invent it myself. And, uh, you know, here we are today. And the rest is history. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So what happened since, so you understood that you want to touch it and you didn't have the technology background. So what happened then? So this was around 2011. And I remember playing uh, with the speech recognition technologies out there and also read a lot of research around that if the AI accuracy of the speech is less than 75%, it's better to start it from scratch. So like timing-wise, I was lucky that You know, I felt like intuition that it's not the right timing. Um, so I always kept it in my mind that, you know, this is an interesting problem. And then after I realized I'm not going to be such a great lawyer, I did my MBA and gained some experience, then worked in the, in the tech industry as an investor in, in, in Lumitech. So it was really, uh, you know, interesting experience. And then when the time was right, you know, with all the shift to, the cloud and the deep learning, then I remembered the, this big problem uh, that I faced in the past. And then I said, this is the right time to, to execute. And I was looking for technological co-founder that is expert in speech recognition. And I was lucky enough to, to find uh, Eric. And, and then, as I said, the, the rest is history. Today, we're you know, more than 500 employees and, and growing. Great, great story. One of the first, I would say, things that probably you've encountered is raising money. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of hard to raise money if you're a lawyer. It's easier if, as you said, you come with the right background and stuff. So what happened in the beginning? Yeah, so I think it's, uh, I, I agree with you. Back then, you know, today I'm hearing, you know, a lot of stories that you just got out of the army from the right unit. You get a few term sheets, et cetera. But, you know, back then, So, so I, I understood quickly that the way to kind of uh, attract investors is to have paying customers and having revenue. So, you know, we kind of started the beginning as a, as a bootstrap. We already had paying customers. And then, um, you know, like the, 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 the ability to create a kind of a, a picture and a story that the market is so big, ready for disruption. We already have paying customers. You know, we can bootstrap the business. We don't need outside capital. So then I managed kind of to learn how to, you know, speak with investors and, you know, it's, it's resonate with them. And just to be honest, you know, the first money into the company was much more difficult to raise from the $250 million we just announced last month. So, you know, it's all, you know, anecdote that's amazing that to raise the first uh, Half a million dollars took me much more effort, much more time than 250 million. So. Yeah. It's always difficult that you are starting to sell. You know, in today's world, it's almost blasphemy. You know, it's easier that, uh, to show slides and, and, and to, to talk about theoretical things than to, to have a real company. But good for you. Now, maybe in a few words, explain to me. So you've tried to, uh, to explain the problem, but, in, in, you know, elaborate a bit more. What, what were you targeting? What, what was the... Uh, The North Star. So yeah, so, so once uh, I, will, I was familiar with the problem in the legal space, then I started to investigate more about 
the market as a whole and realize this is a $30 billion addressable market, very, very fragmented with no market leader, all legacy companies doing the transcription work manually. And I came with this vision that I want to be the world's largest technological transcription platform. You know, I never envisioned that we'll do it in less than five years and we'll be where we are today. But this was my North Star that I want to build, uh, you know, like to take when you, you know, today with the COVID days, everyone talking about digital transformation, right? Taking the offline to online. But this is exactly what we're doing in Adverbit, taking all this, um, you know, manual, analog, uh, offline uh, transcription market and really bringing innovation technology and really digitizing it. So my North Star was like, I want to build uh, the world's largest uh, transcription platform, right? Uh, AI-based, technological-based. And, uh, and then we started to be really laser focused on, you know, let's start with this vertical and then adding vertical as, as, as we're growing. And, you know, I knew that, you know, for me, I want to build a real business and revenue is the king. And also I was right that today investors really valued growth and revenue growth. So we were focusing on that. And, and then, you know, we got the, the hunger and also started to, to acquire legacy companies as part of our customer acquisition strategy in an organic way. We, we can discuss it as well. But, uh, you know, this is all how it all started and, you know, the, the momentum kept going. So, Can you share a bit what were the blockers that prevented other companies back then to do the same thing? What technology-wise, why yeah. wasn't it so simple and, and why did, did we need, you know, you guys to come up and, and bring those uh, innovative it's, it's It's a great question. So first of all, as I said, like when I started to evaluate the idea in 2011, I was lucky enough to, with my guts feeling saying that this is like premature because then, you know, the cloud was not like really in the best shape to really scale it. And also in terms of the deep learning, the way you, you train your algorithm was not in, in the right time. And then, you know, 2017, when I reapproached the problem, I felt, yeah, it was a huge uh, improvement. So in t- timing wise, it was critical. But then also you need to be really passionate about solving this problem, right? Like to have the team that's combined, like my, my co-founder, Eric, he is an expert in speech recognition. He has a PhD in the domain, etc. And myself, you know, more as the business oriented, like to go to sell to customer, to sell to investor, to hire the first employees, etc. All, all, each one of those, it's a different sale, right? To sell to investor, to sell to employees, and to sell to uh, customers. So more like the, the business. So like team together and really like gonna bet our career on this on this company and then the ability to attract investors the ability to articulate the story in a right way and also to have the technological capabilities that Arik had and then also really aligned on the strategy that you know we don't want to go like b2c we are more b2b enterprise focusing at the first step in the education vertical and then growing each vertical so and also to have this critical mass of um, the human in the loop, right? We have 35,000 freelancers today. And I remember at the beginning, you know, every, everyone asked me, what was your lowest point as, as a CEO in the journey? So I remember that at the beginning, no one wants to say, who is Verbit? You're not going to pay us 
and then we had to pay the the freelancer up front and they they disappeared and, and didn't show up and then i had to sit down myself until 4 a.m to transcribe it myself because no one really wants to do it so we can deliver to the customers etc so it's really painful like really also to build this uh, marketplace of supply and demand in real time so once you really reach to a critical mass so if you combine all of it together passionate entrepreneur with the right skill set ability to attract investors and to articulate the story building this um, you know human in the loop and creating the recognition and the trust from those freelancers so taking all of it together it's really really complicated so take me into the first sales in an enterprise your quote-unquote knocking on the door and what telling them what yeah so uh, Coursera was our first customer and I remember I got like warm introduction for the product manager and I was telling her like we have the best technology we have the best product we can do this and then like really um, you know overselling let's put it this way uh, and and she said look he seems like a nice guy Let's start with like $10,000 check, because if all what you said is true, we're going to do a lot of business together today. They are like more than half a million dollar customer, like grew with us uh, dramatically over time. But yeah, so, so, you know, and then I was like, and we didn't have uh, anything at that time. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do now after like she, she bought it and uh, it did. But as I said, like the story is happy and they're a big customer of us today, happy customer. And, you know, we, we did a lot of manual work to really uh, learn and understand what their needs are. And then, you know, we said, okay, if we, I'm going to do it uh, for good, I won't be able to do other things to promote the company. So the uh, tech team and the engineering team started to ramp up the product. And then, you know, we were able to, to attract more customers and the rest is history. You mentioned two topics which kind of contradicts one another and I want you to, you know, to make some order into them. You said on one hand automation and AI and on the other hand a big community of translators uh, at the back end. So is AI going to replace those translators? Do we need them? Why, why do you need AI at all? Try to explain it all. Sure, sure. It's a good question. So first and foremost, we, we all believe that... Uh, you know, human always going to be part of our solution. It's not like our tools and technology going to replace human. I explain why. First of all, why we need uh, the, the human. You know, as a salesperson, you always ask yourself, why should people buy a product? In our case, it's easy because they have to. There is regulation in each one of the use cases that we focus, for instance, in the education space. It's called ADA, American Disability Act, that force the uh, organization like uh, universities, community college, e-learning platform to make their content accessible and transcribe to people with hearing problems, right? Think about this podcast. If someone have hard, hard of hearing, etc., really want to enjoy the content, they won't be able to listen. They will need to read it, right? So this help, uh, eventually our mission is to help make the verbal content accessible to, to everyone. Um, so this is one same is like in the media space, the closed captioning, you have the regulation of the FCC. In the legal space, it needs to be certified by humans. So there is regulatory requirement for professional human-based transcript, right? So and then when you look about it, so you're given the SLA commitment to 100% accuracy. And then you say, okay, the way that professional transcription has been done today, it's fully manual. People need to listen to it. 
and type it from scratch, it create limited capacity of scale, low gross margin, increased accuracy, etc. On the other hand, we all understand that the AI is not good enough. It's 80-85%. And maybe let's focus on this topic that, you know, what is eventually a speech recognition, right? Speech recognition is an algorithm that based on statistical model uh, that show the best guess of what's been said, right? And there's a lot of parameters that affect the accuracy of the, the speech recognition. You can hear my terrible Israeli accent, right? So accent is one. Second is like the jargon, right? If you're talking about healthcare or finance, etc., so the jargon is really critical. Then the acoustic model. Right now we are here, if we're outside, different acoustic model. If we were at courtroom or classroom, again, different acoustic uh, model. Then uh, you have uh, the pace that people are talking. If it's slow or fast, you have the diction. If it's really young kids or really elder person, and then you have overlapping speech, background noise. So all those parameters saying, do you think that AI would be able to get all of them correct and bring 100% accuracy? I don't believe so. And this is what we're betting and focusing at Verbit. So, you know, instead of like doing everything manually, we said, okay, let's do most of it by technology. And then the last mile editing the technology, we know that it's not able to get it. We will put the human and kind of give them the tools to make their job more efficient. This is much clearer. Thanks. I'd like to jump to, uh, to another topic because, you know, since then, Many solutions today, like the web scalers, you know, Siri and Alexa, you talk to them uh, constantly. And, and it seems like speech recognition is becoming more and more like, a, I, would, I wouldn't call it common, but let's, uh, it, less as a fear factor than it was in the past. Now, do you see those as supporting technologies, competing technologies? How, how do you uh, position them? Yeah, so it's, it's also related to your previous question around the, the human and the loop. So all those tech giants, right, like uh, Apple, Amazon, etc., they will never have human and the loop as part of the, the offering, more like just the, the AI base. And there is also a big difference between voice command, when you say like really short utterance, to uh, like conversational speech. You know, it's a whole different uh, story. But again, also you know, putting aside the regulation that required the, the human and the loop, as we discussed, that if you don't have it, you're not compliant, then, and the SLA that required the 100% accuracy that AI, it's cannot guarantee that. It's also about really creating the workflow, right? So, and I can give an example, what do I mean by workflow? If you selling to the education vertical and you have all the learning management system like Blackboard, Canvas, etc. You want to integrate your solution and make ease of use of the product, like really create the, the workflow so they can upload. And then you need to do some customization, right? And I can give example. When you have guidelines, right? What do I mean by guidelines? You have math uh, class and then how you need to transcribe the equation X plus Y equal 50, right? So e each one of those have specific guidelines. You should write it with numbers. You should write it with letters, etc. So we know how to do the, the customization and, and to adopt the guidelines based on the customer needs. I can give you another example in the legal space on the formatting, right? So you have 51 states in the U.S. and each state, they have their own requirements on the format, right? Like how the header should look like, how many lines a page, how many characters in each line, what should be the space when you have Q&A, et cetera. So really how you get the formatting. So all those stuff, obviously all the tech giants are not doing and 
we are really specializing in each vertical, understanding you know, who is our customer, how long is the sales cycle, what is the average ACV, uh, annual contract value they're willing to pay us, right? Uh, how long is the sales cycle, etc. And, and then how we should position ourselves and what should be the messaging to the customer. You know, if you sell to education or to broadcaster in the media, it's a whole different uh, story. So all those specialization and verticalization and, uh, and really adapt per vertical so give us the edge on, on those uh, tech yeah. giants. Now, when you spoke about the beginning, you, you mentioned a lot educational as, as, uh, as the vertical that you were focused on. Since then, you moved to other verticals. And you mentioned some of the characteristics, but were one of those verticals harder to penetrate with different barriers, either from technology or from yeah. perspective? Yeah, definitely. So in the legal vertical, right? So usually those uh, customers are not early adapter for technology. They're really hesitant. They have really, really high requirements of the the accuracy and compliance and security. And then, you know, you, you want to make sure that the gross margin and the profitability makes sense. So you really need to understand the nuance and exactly what, what they are looking for. You know, you have some exhibit management. You need to really learn and understand their language, etc., in order to be able to, to play. So, you know, at education, it was easy for us. Uh, and then, you know, penetrating the legal which is much more difficult. And to the media vertical, we actually penetrate with an acquisition we announced earlier this year. So this was like the, the story for us on how we enroll to those three verticals we operate today. So in a minute, we'll speak about culture, but I have a, like a complimentary question. So educational in the US is completely different than in Europe, completely different than, let's say, in Japan or other places on, on, uh, on the globe. So for you, it's another vertical or it's the same vertical just being addressed? Great question. So today, 98% of our revenue is US-based English only. And part of, obviously, of our global expression will be, you know, different uh, languages, different geographic, etc. But, you know, my, my gut would say that we will need to have, uh, you know, per language, not necessarily per vertical. So, you know, English is uh, the largest one, so then you need to divide it more by per vertical, but once you, you go global expansion and it's more language, so then there is a lot of knowledge you can transform. But I guess, you know, from what we see that in each country, they have their own different requirements. So it's more around the language and then the adaptation for the vertical. So now I would like to shift a bit into, you know, building your company. So you've started, you and, and your co-founder, and then suddenly, you know, things went well. Uh, you raise money and suddenly you need to recruit hundreds of people. How do you do that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So you need, first of all, to define exactly what um, you're looking for. You know, you're looking for engineers, you're looking for sales, operation, like really define exactly what you're looking for. And then, you know, to, to look in your network, right? You, you studied school, you've been in the army, you grew up in some place. So you're looking at your network that uh, you managed to build over time. And then you also raised money for investors. So you you asking them not just for their money, also for the network. So, okay, we're looking for that and that, etc. So, um, you know, you really need to uh, to hire. And, and I think eventually, you know, people is the key for success for any uh, 
company. So if you hire the wrong people, it could really destroy your your company. And, and then maybe it's a topic we'd like to discuss more about creating the culture, right? So, you know, at the beginning, everyone told me, you know, the first hires will, will determine the culture of your company for the long run, blah, blah. blah. And uh, for me, the culture was really amorphic thing. I didn't understand what it actually means. So I was like, uh, this is the way I am. I really like to educate myself and learn new stuff. So I was reading a lot about it. And until I saw this 30 minute video that I really recommend everyone that think about the entrepreneurs that want to build their, their culture, et cetera, to watch is like the CEO and founder of Twilio, Jeff, articulating the core values. You just write it in, in YouTube, you'll find it. And then, you know, I, I watched this movie and I said, wow, I want like to really implement because it really gives their really nice framework on really how to think about culture, what is culture, how to create your core values, etc. And then once I saw it, I sent it to our VPHR. It told us I want us to do the same thing. And, and we did it. And it was really helpful for us to kind of uh, like de- define who we are, what we important for us, etc. And based on that, we started to hire uh, the team and, you know, the, the rest is history. And also one of the challenges is that you hire people at the beginning. They were really good for this stage of the company. And as you're growing the company, not necessarily the same people are the right people to move you forward. And then to be able to identify it, and then you have relationship with those people, right? And, and really, um, you know, to be able to, to do what is the best interest of the business and not necessarily what is best interest for them. So it's really tough uh, situation to deal with, but, you know, to promote the company, you need to do those tough decisions. And, and in today's very, very competitive market, you know, fighting for talents. What's your way beside, you know, um, recruiting, you know, the new talents? How do you maintain your existing uh, talents? The ones that are, the ones that you do want to, to preserve? Yes, I think in Verbit we are lucky that we have two really important missions that uh, we're working on. We discussed uh, a bit about it regarding uh, accessibility, right? So, you know, if you were you know, become an engineer in, in cybersecurity. I'm not saying it's not important, but, you know, okay, another cybersecurity company, there are many of those in Israel. How many companies do you know in Israel that their mission is to help people to make verbal content accessible? So it's really easy mission for people to, wow, you know, I'm doing something It's much grateful than, you know, just to work with a cool unicorn startup. So I'm really working with a larger mission to help all the people around the globe to make the content accessible, this is one. And then we discussed earlier about the 35,000 freelancers we have in our community. So as long as our you know, uh, customer base is growing, it means we will need to have more freelancers. It means we're creating more jobs from people to work from home. And we have a lot of our freelancers from third world countries, and we're getting emails because of Verbit, we have the ability to feed our family, take care of our kids. And once you see that, you say, wow, you know, because of my hard work, I'm creating a lot of jobs for more people around the globe. So it's another great mission to, to be part of. So, you know, we're not trying to be, you know, obviously we are competitive with, with uh, commercial terms, but we're not going crazy as I heard some of the companies. So we're really saying, you know, this is who we are. This is why we are unique, et cetera. And, and also in terms of like, yes, how we, you, 
maintain your internal employees. So we have an amazing HR team that uh, Dikla is leading and doing a lot of activities to make everyone uh, united and like how we can improve each one of them and, and kind of giving them a lot of learning and investing in our employee to be the best version of themselves and really to get out more of themselves. So this is really a core function that we're putting a lot of uh, emphasis and effort. Now, how do you grow it? This marketplace of 30,000 plus people, anyone can join, needs to take a test. How do you maintain uh, quality over there? Yeah, so this is like really good question. So, you know, we have campaigns uh, in Indeed, Monster, Job, Craigslist, Fiverr, Upwork, you, you name it, right? You want to work from home, click here, and then we measure those campaigns, how many people saw the, those ads, how many clicked on it. Once they clicked on it, how many uh, completed the exam, right? We do have like exam and we also dividing it per vertical for the education, for legal, media, etc. like really making the, the training and the certification per vertical. So you have those exams. And once they got accepted, as I said, we, we build a whole academy that really explaining them what we expect from Verbit, who we are, you know, how is to work with us, etc. And we literally build a ranking score per transcriber. And, and this is like once they get accepted, you know, they see their grades and we do incentivize them with dynamic pricing. As long as your quality or your ranking is higher, you get better compensation, etc. And also uh, around, um, you know, you ask about the quality management. So this is, uh, you know, a lot of IP we have, we've developed. I can give an example. Uh, so if like it's a 20-minute audio file, right, and um, we have a lot of data on how, how it's going to take on average, you know, to the freelancer to transcribe it. And then if you see, okay, 20-minute audio file, after three minutes, they press submit. So this is a potential fraud and, you know, we market internally, etc. So we have a lot of kind of alerts around us to really ensure the quality. And I think... Eventually, the best way to measure quality is customer happiness, right? How you measure customer happiness is with the, today what they call net dollar retention to see how much of the existing customer are really spending more or less with you. So we are lucky to have an amazing number, like more than 160%. So it means our customer, not only they're not living, they're growing with us over time because of our unique uh, business model of usage base. Now, just, you know, for a layman's, you know, understanding usually one minute of uh, recording. How long does it take to? Uh... You know, if you do it from scratch, it really depends. But it could be like four to six. This is the ratio we we minutes. see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'd like to pick your brain a bit about the future. So, where is this market going to, as a whole? That's a, it's a good question. I think you know if we think. For instance, the metaverse, right? Which is a nice, uh, I think it's, it's um, you know, I definitely believe in this direction. Uh, I saw the whole video announcement of Mark Zuckerberg and I was like really amazed where to see where the future is going. So also in the metaverse, right? So you're, you're talking, right? And, you know, you need to make this verbal information accessible. And so voice will always be part of our life and... Uh, you know, I guess always going to be people that will have hard time to to hear and understand what's been said. And also, 
you know, to make your life easier, so you can really take all this verbal information and make it searchable, accessible, transcribe. You can search. You can, you know, go to directly to the relevant places. So and then to be able to get insights right from those those words and really make it actionable, etc. So I think the way we are thinking about in Verbit is really so you know the the transcript is really uh, the basics. Right. And if you go, you want to go beyond transcription, so it could make it really uh, interesting. And I, I'll give like more concrete example. Right. So, for instance, in the legal space, right. So, if you have a witness that coming to give his testimony one week ago, and now he's coming again and literally contradicting himself what he said in the previous testimony. So, once you transcribe this deposition. And you can really understand it, and you and now, like you see the contradiction, and you can give insight in real time to the lawyers. This is like where I see the future. So you know, it's not just okay, voice to text is really understanding the meaning of it and be able to to help us to do our work better. Which is great because it ties into my next question, which is the role of AI in this in this uh, ecosystem. So it's not just let's call it helping you with algorithms to. Uh, So give, give me maybe a few more examples about how do you see AI evolves over there. Yeah, so I think eventually it's in every, um, every industry could be different, right? So we discussed about how we see it in legal. For example, in the education space, you know, the AI can create a summary of the lecture of what's been said, and then also to create automatically quizzes that check the engagement, right? So like really gamification of like the... To make sure that you really was engaged with the the lecture, etc. And in each vertical, you can think about uh, how the the technology and the AI could be a um, great part of it. And again, I'm not uh, a great product expert. I'm you know usually when CEO you have two kind of CEO like more product CEO or more sales CEO. So I'm definitely more in the the sales CEO. This is why we have uh, Rafi, our chief product, that he is the genius and great and he will help us to kind of find the the implication on how you can apply the AI in each vertical and to be kind of more vertically integrated uh, voice solution that really understand uh, how you can take the transcript and build AI application on top of it is how we, we think about it. is there some connection you mentioned the metaverse but uh, also to gaming in this industry sure like we we do see a lot of You know, uh, people in Twitch, etc., that they are gamers and they're, you know, there is a lot of viewers. You need to think about it like uh, the areas that there is a lot of popularity and a lot of viewers. Definitely the, they need the accessibility. And also you need to think about it as from search perspective, right? So if you really want to, once you transcribe it, it's searchable. You can put it as part of the SEO and really to bring more traffic to watch more games. So yeah, definitely we have a few customers in the gaming space. Interesting. Now, I, I would like to come back to, to the platform itself and, and talk a bit about uh, scale. And you've mentioned M&As as, as, a, as a way to scale. So maybe walk me out through your strategy when it comes to, uh, to M&A. Why M&A? If everything is so good and you're growing like crazy, Why do you need to spend money on it? Yeah, so, so great question. So we have, if you think about, as I said earlier, what is the expectation from us and what I think brings the most value to uh, our shareholders is revenue growth. This is what the market like give premium today. 
And if I'm thinking about the four different growth pillars we have, one is like the the inside sales, the the sales machine that we build, bringing new logos, working great. Then uh, the second growth engine is the lend and expand, right? Like you bring the customer, right? Same as we did with Coursera, as I mentioned earlier, and really growing them over time. Then we have strategic partnership, right? Like Cultura, uh, Panopto, et cetera, with all those channels, let's put it this way. And then you have the fourth pillar of M&A. This is regarding to your question. And in our case, we really find it really, you know, interesting because, you know, we literally see it as a customer acquisition, right? So, you know, today in the venture world, like there is what they call magic number. So how much you invest in sales and marketing, how much new revenue it's bringing. They want to see a ratio of one to one, right? And then we really saw that those um, manual transcription companies, they're flat, they're not growing, right? And they have much lower gross margin because they do it all manually. So we, we come with this thesis that, you know, we can acquire their book of business and then migrate their customers to our platform and to make the whole process much more efficient and literally to grow this way, right? And, and we have a pipeline on, of more than 1,000 companies that create like more than 1 billion aggregate revenue for all those companies in our pipeline that, you know, potentially as acquisition target, right? So for them, we are the exit strategy, the liquidation, because, you know, they've been running the business for many, many years, that they see that the AI and technology is evolving, right? And they feel the threat, but we, and we are also this consolidator that can threat them, but we say, hey, we don't want to compete. We want actually to to give you a liquidation and to be part of our much larger platform. And we see it really resonate with those people. And, you know, we managed to, to do many uh, of those uh, acquisition and transaction. And we have really large ambitions because we saw it's working really well for us. So, you know, we see it as another growth engine, but it's literally customer acquisition because eventually why investors really valued, you know, organic growth because it's really repeatable and predictable. But, you know, you know, what is the pipeline? Uh, how, what is the conversion from the pipeline to customer? What is the average deal size? How long does it take you? And then what is the CAC payback when you're actually paying back the, those customer acquisition? Same is in the inorganic, right? So we have a pipeline of companies we are looking. We know how long does it take us to close them. When you're looking at the company, you know how big they are. And eventually, you know how much you're paying. And then in the model, you know how much you're paying it back. So it's literally if you can build it really as a machine. So this is an additional customer acquisition channel for us. That's how we see it. Clear, clear and, and, and very uh, well-crafted. Now, maybe a few personal questions before uh, we wrap up. So, like, you started the journey. You've studied legal. Um, I'm a student. I just graduated uh, my legal course. Would you suggest me to take the same route and, and to go to the technology uh, world? Yeah, so first of all and foremost, you need to do something you're passionate about, right? So like I was, you know, for me, the founder market fit was, um, you know, as a frustrated customer. This is how I actually uh, thought about this problem. And I think everyone during their lifetime experienced some of those, you know, problem. And when I'm trying to be more generic, I would say look for problem that have high friction and low efficiency where you think that technology come and, and shift it around. And I can give another example 
of, of technology that really make the same transformation as we did. Think about, you know, Uber and, and Get and all those companies, you know, before, you know, using Uber, you had to call to the taxi and then you had to go down and wait and, you know, with day like today, you get wet and then you need to tell them where to go and then you need to pay them eventually. So think about how many, how much friction you have in this process instead of like just clicking the button and that's it. This is high friction and low efficiency where technology literally switch it around. So this is like the framework to think about the problems you want to solve and then to be passionate about it, that you really want to work for it for the next uh, 10 years or more. Yeah, actually, in a day like today, maybe you catch the tornado and you get <laughs> to the place you need faster. Yeah, exactly. Now, on the same level, I'm, I'm a young guy and I want to fund and to look into and, and to, uh, funding my, or founding my, my new company. Giving your experience, is this a journey worthwhile? Should I consider it? What are, you know, what are the things to... Uh... Yeah, it's it's really interesting question, right? So, so for me, in the, the stage I was, I didn't have too much to lose, right? So, like, if you are, you know, working in a place like Amdocs and you are a VP, you have really high salary, you have kids, you, you have house, right? So... You have a lot of commitments. I was like, what, like 27, 28 when I started it. Uh, the journey as an entrepreneur, I didn't have any commitments. You know, for me, okay, what, well, to lose a, a job as a lawyer for 10,000 shekels? Okay, you know, there's no, like the sound cost is not that big, right? But like, I, I knew that I want to be an entrepreneur. I was passionate about it. I knew that this is like really, you know, could suit my, my lifestyle, but you know, you know, from the outsides, everything looks really glory. But when you're in the inside, so, you know, this employee leaves you and this customer leaves you and this investor told you no. So, you know, you have a lot of ups and downs and you need to be, as I said at the beginning, really resilient to, to those and, uh, you know, to be really focused on the mission and on creating successful company. And yeah, and so, you know, like uh, if this is what you feel as your passion, you need to follow uh, your passion and sometimes not to think about what you lose only about the upside and what you gain. But, um, you know, if you, you really, you know, put it into mathematical equation, the probability to build a successful company is much uh, lower than, okay, to keep like the regular route and to be promoted and, and, and a regular job. But also on the other hand, when if you look at the, you know, the richest people on, on the globe, so all of them are entrepreneurs. So, you know, you know, from usually from being uh, employed by someone else, you know, not, not that I, I'm doing it for, for the money or something like this, but like for me, it's more around the glory about, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and uh, building your own thing. And when you look at the, what we managed to build in less than five years, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I cannot wait for the next five years and what we're going to build. If there is one lesson or two up to you that you would like to send to this uh, young uh, entrepreneur, what would it be? So first of all, as I said uh, earlier, like follow your passion, right? So Verbit is my, actually my, my second company. And, you know, the first company, it was around mobile security uh, space. And like the, the relation between me and cybersecurity space is... Uh, uh, not exist and like I wasn't passionate. So you need to find something that uh, you really 
gonna be in love and really want to work uh, every day and to spend 16 hours a day on it and with the same passion so you know everyone's still telling me that whenever I I speak about verbi they see the sharp in my eyes and like really you know excited about it and you know so in order to be able to do so you need to find someone passionate and about it and for me I also told this earlier the second thing is around the revenue right so I wanted to build a real business and really revenue is the king and focusing on customers from day one don't wait you know to build a product and then go to sell really start from day one to look for the feedback from customer try to sell them even if it's not perfect you know do it more manually it will take you more time and and eventually it will will come out so to be passionate and really focus on customer and revenue earlier. Beautiful. Last question. Give your like projection five years from now, 10 years from now. Maybe 10 is too much. Five is also you know, very far away. Where do you see the company? Where do you see yourself? It's, uh, you need to be invited for our next board meeting. We're just uh, you know, summarizing. Look what we did in the first five years of the company. Look where we want to be in the next five years. So you know, we, we, we have a goal to be a billion dollar in revenue in five years from, from today. Uh, during these five years, most likely we're going to go public uh, and be listed uh, either in NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. And really, you know, adding new verticals, adding new languages, etc., having more global expansion. So this is where I see the company. Great. Great. Thank you very much for uh, being Thank with you. us. It was a pleasure. Pleasure for me as well. Thanks for listening to Future of Tech. If you like what you heard and want more, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to write to our host, Avishai Sharlin, directly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.